Hey everyone, welcome to the DevRight Podcast, a podcast about engineering and technology at Rightcore. I'm a host, Ben Hayden. And I'm Miles Loeffler. And I'm Amanda Quint. And today we are going to host the Code Review Review. Um, something that is definitely prevalent in Brightcore and I'm sure in many different organizations is the concept of a pull request in GitHub or your similar like version control system and a code review. Hopefully every uh, engineering team is taking part in some version of someone else reviewing code before you merge. I guess some might not. That's the, the, the quickest code review. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got some pros and cons and some stuff that we've seen work and not work, and we thought we'd uh, chat with you all about it. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, uh, there's this concept of cycle time in, in uh, engineering, and it comes from getting a thing, deciding to write the thing, and then you got to make the PR, and you uh, then have to go through reviews and making changes testing and then you finally get to merge it and then you have to release it reviews um, are typically a engineering uh, only driven part of that process so i feel like it's pretty important for uh, everyone on your engineering team to share similar values and how things should be done and what is kind of like a agreed set of what to care about um in the show notes i'm gonna write uh in one of my favorite articles that um, an engineering engineer here linked me to. Uh, it is from the Kickstarter engineering blog, and it is called A Guide to Mindful Communication in Code Reviews by Amy Chiavolino, which I should have tried to pronounce that name before the podcast. Uh, I'm sure you got it just it, right. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I did. Um, it's very good. And it's got some nice uh, guidelines around how you should approach it, which I think is pretty important. Um, talking about putting yourself in the other person's shoes um, and not trying to drive the outcome of the pull request, um, but instead uh, learn why we wrote it this way, um, making sure that uh, you under fully understand the problem before trying to solicit feedback. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, so go check it out in the show notes. What about you two? What are some some pros, some things to do in a code review? Um, first off, I think it's important that there are different levels of code review. Um, first off, there's a, a peer review or a team review. And then I think there's more of a formal, like actual code review process. So I would say in that peer review, um, you know, anything goes and it, this is a pretty good place for new engineers to learn. But then when we come to the formal code review, that's where, you know, a senior engineer comes in and definitely thinks about like, is this the way the product really should work? Yeah. Here's what you did wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that the, the concept of different tiers and levels is really important because I think that on both sides, code review is about learning. Um, I think that's really true for, for uh, newer engineers learning the code base. There's really no better way than to get in and try to understand a solution that somebody else has built. I mean, I think that applies across no matter what you're working on. Um, reading code is super important, um, and doing a code review is really nothing but that as well as um, 
you know, formulating opinions and thoughts about it. I think uh, a risk there is that some some things that uh, the the article Ben mentioned calls out. One of them would be like nitpicking little things. Um, that that can happen sometimes. Um, I think because sometimes people are just looking for something to leave. I, I think that one thing I would say is it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to leave feedback. Like if you think something looks pretty good, um, then you know that that is a, an appropriate comment. There there are, and but I think another piece of that is asking those questions and really gaining the understanding. Um, it can change something from a nitpick to a real thing. So. Yeah, I would definitely say um, don't be a human linter at this point in time. You know, there's so many like automated tools and like GitHub actions and everything. You don't need to do that job. We can make some process do that job for you. Yeah, right. I, I, um, I think a good uh, heuristic for me is if I'm if I'm I, just like everybody else, I, I'll see little things. That it's not how I would have done it. And I want to, I want to nitpick. I want to say, Hey, do it this way, do it that way. In some cases, I think it can be justified. And if, if I think I can explain why I feel really strongly about that, then sometimes I'll leave the comment. But, um, like a good example is sometimes in naming, I think, you know, naming variables can be important. And if you just say, Hey, name this X instead of Y with no justification, it feels really nitpicky, but if you can explain right. why, like, Hey, actually, X makes me think this. Um, when I read it, that was my first thought. It really caught me off guard that after I read the rest, I realized it was more like why. Yeah, you called this this uh, method read file, and you wrote to the file. Turns out maybe not a great pick. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think I think there is uh, also those kind of comments that you were mentioning, Miles, could fall into a thing that can be fixed later too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this could cause confusion later. I don't want to hold it up, but you know, could you make a new PR for the next iteration? Like that, that is definitely, um, leaning towards, uh, the other thing that I like in the article, which is called, uh, the being biased towards approving, uh, where you're not trying, like your job as a reviewer is not to here are the five things I found wrong. Um, and I, I think, you know, uh, a high trust organization where all the engineers are on par and we're all, uh, you know, striving towards delivering uh, good software, high quality. Uh, hopefully a lot of the PRs you see are good um, and you just need to call out, you know, we should probably try to uh, break this out next next iteration and move it to a class instead of just copying and pasting this method over and over again, that sort of thing. I know I'm I'm simplifying simplifying things and uh for cause uh for examples but that sort of stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's very it's easy as an engineer who's been working in the industry for a while to start to feel like I mean, there's always the next thing, right? Um and I think we just have to be very diligent about making sure that when we say we're going to do that kind of thing we, we hold ourselves to it. And I think one way to help that is um, sometimes the work is small and could be done right away, but in a separate request, um, one that builds on the, the initial one. And that can sometimes mean you don't have to go through all the review or testing steps again. So for example, I mean, it, it, it can be a, a lot of effort to, to review all the changes and then 
um, go through any amount of manual testing that occurs following that. And, you know, it's, I consider it anyway, a best practice to, to take a look at things pretty much holistically. If there's any change, I mean, you know, a small change in the code, sometimes you can make the next review really short, but if there's anything significant, you really need to kind of think about the whole thing again and testing definitely because, um, you know, I'm sure there's not, not a single one of us who has never encountered a bug that was just seemed completely impossible to come from whatever the change was. Right. The, um, I think if you do decide to, um, write a comment about like how you should try to do this thing or, or something like that, um, uh, especially if you're doing like a, a senior engineer to a, a junior engineer, that sort of um, interaction, writing actual pseudocode like to to show what you're meaning versus just trying to say it in words, I think can be a quicker um, example. And then I I sit in meetings all day um, in Zoom or whatever. Uh, sometimes I feel like, hey, can we hop on a call to talk this over real quick? It's not a lot of engineers favorites but sometimes it is the fastest yeah. um so i i, I don't want to like tell everyone that you have to write everything in text either like hey especially if you think it's like way off base like hey <laughs> let's talk real quick um it might be the quickest way to uh sync people up no i love the uh offering examples especially when you're like um refactoring stuff just uh, throwing it in there, and I think uh, Git has that almost built into their comments now. You're able to like do little code snippets, um, right? Yeah, where you're like, "Hey, what do you think about doing it this way?" Yeah, you can actually provide. It started as single line suggestions, but these days it's actually full multi-line. So somebody can offer you a patch to your code, and and you can apply it directly from GitHub, which is pretty cool. The future is now, folks. <laughs> So yeah. I, I also agree really strongly with that, that point. It's something that I've, I've done a lot of um, it, because sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just the, the fastest way, pseudocode or even real code, you know, just like um, just go ahead and, and try to solve the problem and say, hey, like, did you think about this, this option? Here's what I like better. But again, I, I think it comes back to one of the points from before is don't sell your solution as better from the start uh, because Correct. for one thing, it's probably an opinion, um, and it, even if it is, sometimes it's it's worth just explaining where you're coming from, and that that learning opportunity, even if it doesn't change, somebody might learn something. Um, and so I, I, I treat pull, pull request reviews in general, code reviews in general. I want to say pull request because we're so heavily in GitHub, but just generally yeah. code reviews. It's it's a huge learning exercise on both sides, um, and and I I try to take every opportunity I can to share my thoughts on something um, in a way that's not trying to force them on someone. I, I do think that there is just pull reviews uh, or pull requests, uh, pull reviews, that's a new thing. Um, they are kind of jumping in time uh, throughout the software development process. So whatever, like if you're not careful, if I suggest you do something, someone might have done that two weeks ago and it didn't work out. Um, and that's why they came up with this solution. So definitely coming from a place of learning versus a place of telling is uh, pretty important. Yeah, I was just going to say when I'm reviewing something and there's something that doesn't quite seem right to me, I usually just like want to ask, hey, what's up with this? Like, why'd you do it this yeah. way? 
Yeah. yeah. What were you thinking here? Yep. What were you thinking can be a little harsh, possibly. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, how the, could you do this? Right. But the concept applies. Like, just you know, a simple question of, hey, maybe I, just like if you're not quite sure, you don't quite follow, you don't quite understand, just be honest and ask for a clarification. Sometimes that's enough to prompt people to say, hey, I, you know, I guess this solution is not as good as I thought. Like I've, I've asked questions to people and that alone was enough for them to decide a change was necessary. All right. So that's uh, a general idea of like some pros from, from a reviewer perspective. There, There's probably some stuff that authors can do to ensure a better experience, right? Yep. Um, I would say number one is be able to take some criticism. Yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds awful. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, there, there's all these arguments, you know, that code is maybe more art than science sometimes. Yep. But, um, you know, it's, it's not your baby. Um, be willing to take some feedback. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's that's kind of the flip side of of being biased to accept something. Just you know, know that it's fine and it's it's good for people to to question a little bit. Um, and it's not a reflection on you. It's it's just you know, it could really just be someone not quite understanding. And once you explain, they'll get it and agree with you. Yeah, I I think um, it's a fine line, right? Uh, you definitely want engineers to have high ownership in the code base and high ownership in like the product that we deliver, but not so much that they are entrenched in thinking that what they did is the only way to do something um, and not be receptive to feedback. Uh, and I I think that's something that usually just comes with like human maturity. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's something that uh, you have to focus on and, and, and try to be receptive, but also just like kind of growing up. Yeah. Helps. I mean, there's places, of course, you know, where you should definitely stand your ground. The reviewer is not always right. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, I think um, another good concept, uh, besides just like being open to feedback, the uh, making the PR um, a appropriate size. Mm -hmm. um for consumption from the reviewer um not making the pr for the plus 2000 minus 1000 <laughs> level that's definitely starting to be way too much for a reviewer to take in and probably was too much for the work like the author to do in one one sitting as well um it makes it harder to test the whole thing just uh grows when the code lines of code change grow as well yeah, for sure. I think that's that's a great one to keep in mind as an author. It's um, and, and I think it's not like it's not too hard. I mean, just think of you if you've done any code review. I think this is part of what's really important with what Amanda was saying, actually, with the tiers, um, and just trying to get everybody doing it. Really, I think that's that's the spirit of this. Is code review is not an activity that should be restricted to anybody in particular. And the same idea that you know everyone can review code and things like that. That everyone can, everyone reads code also way more than they write code um that's in plenty of books that's out there i've i've seen that to be true uh, as someone that doesn't get to write code as much anymore there is still times in my day where i am reviewing a pr or something like that and that's how i feel like a lot of tech leaders stay close to the product and stay close to the pulse of what is happening in the system is because they read code 
Um, so I think making PRs that I can digest, it's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, you as the author are also done a disservice if you file a PR that that's that big, because you know, you're going to be glazing over some eyeballs. Um, they're going to look through that first set of files and then they're like, wait a minute, there's another 35 and <laughs> that everyone gets really lazy about the whole process after that point. Um, if it's not heavily, uh, um, regulated. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's just definitely, if you care about quality and you care about, uh, the, the pace at which PRs move through your system, the smaller, the better. Yeah, sure. I know there's a uh, there's a joke on Twitter out there somewhere where it's like t- a 2,000 line pull request has 10 comments and the 10 line <laughs> code pull request also has 10 comments. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's definitely like once you can't keep the concept in your head all at once, like that's that's my that's my guideline really. Like it's it's not a hard and fast rule, of course. Of um, this many lines because different solutions are of different complexity. And sometimes the code is just a little bigger, but it's still easy to understand. And, and, um, but absolutely keeping it small enough to be a single singular concept, I think, um, is, is a big piece of it. And sometimes those concepts grow and there are tools you can use to, to kind of help that you can make your change possibly in, in parts if it's possible. Um, and you can make, branches off of the branch you started with and make pull requests into your pull requests, for example, in GitHub. Um, And that helps split up the diff. Um, You can merge them down or you can do various activities, but that that allows people to look at the the different maybe pieces or themes in your your overall concept um, in individual more bite-sized chunks that are a little bit easier to follow. Yeah, that that's starting to get into some uh, Git commit maintenance, which I like, I don't yep. feel like we've we've hit on, but that uh, depending on your reviewer can matter a whole lot. It can. Um, some people take it a piece by piece uh, to like commit by commit and follow the author's journey, uh, which. I feel like gives you the the truest sense of what they've built and um, how that journey went. And depending on the clean the cleanliness of those commits, it's more feasible than not. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to make it as the author the easiest on your reviewer, doing some rebasing and doing some clean like some ke- commit cleanups make it uh, easier for any reviewer to digest. So, you know, if you went on a whole exploratory uh, tear and added seven files and then like seven commits later, you removed all those files, cleaning that all up so the reviewer doesn't have to deal with that, it's probably good. Yeah, I'm not Um, a fan of like a single large squash but I yeah. think squashing like ideas together mm-hmm. makes it easier to review. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the definitely don't want one commit plus five hundred lines or whatever, and it's like here's the entire feature. Mm-hmm. That it does make for like reverting easier. Um, but conceptually, I think you start getting into Miles' territory of it's starting to be too much to fit into your head at once. Yeah, I, um, I think that um, it's definitely 
that's on along the lines of something I was about to to bring up. So I think it's a nice nice segue. Really, uh, I is, planned it. Yes, yeah. Um, I think that including like the message in your commits, um, the, like the the title, the summary, and the body. Like I think a lot of people don't use the body portion, um, and I, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of value there. Um, personally, I try to write, I try to explain what I did, um, and I think that can be kind of a guide for should this be one thought like where a thought is kind of a commit should you maybe squash these things together i think you have to be careful going too far don't don't go overboard with that um because it could cost you a lot of time and um, but there's also some commands that can help you um there's a dash dash fix up command that can go with a a commit uh, which will actually allow you to do an auto squash command with rebase um, and that will take those fix up commits and, and reorder them to apply um, and kind of complete that idea. So a good example is like, oh, you, you know, you committed this, you made a typo, uh, you fixed the typo, you realized you made another typo, you fixed that. Um, it does, you don't, that's not really useful in the, the get log. Not, I mean, you know, it's, it's not meaningful. It's just kind right. of noise. And so cutting that kind of stuff out is, is for sure. Great. But our, and in addition to that, um, just really writing, taking the time to write a, a solid commit message, I think is is overlooked um, in value. That's something that I personally value a lot. Um, and the two more thoughts that stream from that that I'll, I'll keep brief here, um, they're doing the same thing on the actual change request itself uh, for us, pull, re- pull request, right? Is taking the time to really fill out that body and explain what the problem really was um, not, not, at a, not like, uh, just, you know, a, a sentence or two, unless that is appropriate, but a lot of problems require a little bit more explanation than that. Just walk through right. what, what was really wrong here and, and what did you do and why, why did you do that? Um, and provide a lot of information to help guide the, the understanding of your change from, from, uh, you know, just a pure text, um, English or, you know, for us, English, um, perspective. And one last thing that I've done uh, that I, that I, I think has been helpful to some reviewers in the past is I have left comments on my own code explaining um, how things connect or, you know, if there's a concept that I haven't really quite figured out how to simplify beyond this. And I'm a little worried about that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll highlight, I'll do my own self code review basically. Oh, like during the, during the pull request process. For, yeah. Right. So I'll, I'll post. Yeah. My I thought comments. you were trying to be novel and like, have you all heard of code comments? <laughs> No, but you mean pull requests? Okay. Yes, I, I mean actually leaving comments on the pull request, um, something potentially more verbose than the comments you might leave in a, in code, right? Like sure. Code comments are valuable for sure. That that's that's a good point too. That can actually be a good indicator. But I, I would, I always question if too many co- code comments are are required, if the yes. code might be too complicated. I agree. Yeah. I I think we all trend that yeah. way. I know. I've done that too on. Um pull request i do like an initial self code review especially if i've done something that i don't feel great about i'm like sure this is why i did it you know if you have a better solution let me know yeah the uh um self-deprecating humor is always my (laughs) always my route so that's that's good to, to call out now the uh i i really think um the biggest thing for everyone is just like a mutual understanding that we all just want to deliver value to our customers. Um, and what that means is they want high quality solutions. So code reviews got to happen. Um, but they also don't care about us like all sticking in a room and like just navel gazing at 
and playing code golf all day either. There's a balance somewhere in there. Definitely. Um, and for sure. And I and I think that taking that balance approach can look different for other teams, look different for each individual, but coming compromise is everyone loses. There you go. Uh <laughs> of we we're going to get this fee, this functionality in now um and get someone or some party to agree of like we're going to fix this up next iteration or what you wrote is great the next time we do something similar we'll do it that way like come to an agreement um and hopefully like i said in a high trust organization you can trust that that agreement's enough and that you actually do see that change going forward um but i don't what you don't want um, like I said, is the lazy code reviews because the author didn't commit, so then the reviewers don't commit to the right level of engagement. Or reviews become such a slog that no one ever really wants to do the code review, and they become lazy that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, like the, and another like bad concept um, that you want to avoid is uh, people sign whenever you get assigned to their PR as a review. <laughs> um, like... Uh, if if there was someone that always came around and told me to make sure that I have to put my brackets this one way or, oops, you forgot the space between operators, I definitely get why open source maintainers just close those PRs or like like they're not they don't drive conversation. Um, and uh, I, I do think you want to where you can like I, I definitely just described linter issues. Like where you can make those programs, yep. Um, because they're never gonna feel great coming from a human, right? It's it's um, not fun on either side of that. Nope. Um. So I I definitely am a fan of auto linting. Um. I feel like uh go fumped, um, which is just fun to say. That's why I want to say it. <laughs> um, is a, is a good example of where a lot of that stuff started taking that way. Prettier with uh JS CSS that kind of thing. Uh, black for python uh, they all exist some of that stuff is just uh solving issues that no one has to talk about anymore same reason why we have api standards is it, you move past the ma- the mundane and you start getting into the actual what are you trying to do here um, and i think that's a more insightful conversation agreed and and i think um one of the one of the points that kind of it can follow from that because some some of these these kind of thoughts uh, about you know trying to follow diff- various standards whether they're completely automated or if they're linting um, whatever level you or we have reached uh, the readability of the diff right that that is actually listed in the article that Ben mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast there are a variety of things that can contribute to that um, from from like more complex, thoughtful things about maybe how you're actually writing the code that that you're you're changing, um, to some simple things like just making sure you're not changing arbitrary files um, for because you you happen to look at that and you notice this this spacing issue is off in this file. It has nothing to do with with anything else. Um, like it's good to clean that stuff up, but a separate pull request maybe um, if you're going to do that kind of thing and it's completely unrelated could be called for. So I, I think some more complicated things to think about um, is the, the the diff can be a lot more readable sometimes if 
if arguments are, say, split up across lines and you don't introduce a new argument into the middle of some kind of function, um, or you know, if you're changing the middle of some line uh, that really happens to be long and complex, there's not really much avoiding that, but something that you maybe could do to help in the future, or if you're writing brand new code, is split things up so that when you do get a diff, when somebody does change your code there in the future, it results in one line uh, that clearly shows the change instead of... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, it, this is harder to do. Like, I mean, you, you got to kind of understand, you have to think more about this, and I'm not suggesting it super strongly, but it can make a big difference um, in quickly seeing what changed. And now like GitHub um, and, and diffs will try to help you by highlighting the thing that did change, but... We've probably all seen that that line that was changed. There was one character removed from the middle of this line that was unreasonably long, and and you're trying to figure out what the heck changed here, and you just can't. Yeah. Just trying to help you out and fix spelling errors. Yeah. No, uh, it will make um, rebases less bad in the future too if you break that stuff up. Yep. I I think um, to. Do, do either of you have any more conceptual things, or are we? I'll, I'll put a conclusion on it if we're good. I think, I think good. Think we'll probably. I'll probably come up with something, but I think we're good to head toward conclusion. Yeah, I, I think, I think the biggest thing uh, that that really wraps it all up is trying to build an environment where it's healthy to have code review, like like in the across the entire company. If it's if it's internal. And then on like an open source uh, system, like I think understanding both sides of what it's like to be the reviewer, what it's like to be the author and work together towards an environment where it doesn't feel bad to do either thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if either side gets unhealthy, it makes that whole process um, miserable. Uh, and if not miserable, just not as effective, effective as it could be. Yeah, completely agree. It's got to it's got to be something that that doesn't feel bad. And if there's something that's feeling bad, it's time to to take a, a look um, and see. Just kind of check check and see if you're the one causing it. Maybe right. Don't don't blame someone. Check yourself first. <laughs> right. I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, and don't be afraid. I guess probably to ask peers and stuff. Like, are you nervous whenever I get assigned as the reviewer of your PR? You know, like it's it's fine to give feedback um, and know that unless the person is just kind of like a jerk, everyone <laughs> is wanting the just the best product out the door and everyone's yeah. wanting the best solution. Um, and I think that level of disassociation from what you built is is good. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. we're all on we're all on one team, um, and, you know, here at Brightcore and I would hope every other programming, every other engineering team at other companies as well. Agreed. Cool. Well, um, we, we've done a lot of code reviews. Um, and if anyone ever wants to pick our brains, you can find us on Twitter, just like you could find this podcast. Did you see that segue? <laughs> uh, make sure to follow uh, DevWritePod on Twitter. Uh, that's where we'll post the episode. And that's pretty much it. It never does anything else. Um, for individual consumption, you can find me uh, at Davey Hayden. Me at, mm. at Miles Loeffler. And uh, I, think, I think maybe this, will, this uh, episode will be my first uh, tweet in about a decade, actually. And then Ooh. maybe I'll get interesting. 
Oh, I like man. it. Um, and I'm at AC Quint. Amanda talks about beans. Yeah. Amanda and I are the are the follows on Twitter. Trust us. Yeah, that's probably um, true. No. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening to us. Kind of talk about this thing. We all care about it a lot. Um, just reach out if you have any other ideas and any well actuallys to throw our way. Um, and we'll catch y'all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.